Hello, everybody, and welcome. Cheers. Happy Wednesday. Happy hump day. You've made it halfway through the week. Congratulations. Uh, I hope everybody is doing fantastic. I'm really excited about our guest this week. I have not actually met her in person, um, but I've heard nothing but fantastic things about her, and I'm really excited to hear her story and share her story with you guys. As many of you know, if you've been watching these for the last several months at this point, uh, every week I share a drink with another amazing woman from some area of the automotive industry, trying to kind of touch all of the different areas and maybe we'll expand to other trades in the future, who knows, but I've got my drink in hand. I've got my Shark Week shark here because the cats have been fighting and I need something to throw at them if they decide to fight mid live stream. So <laughs> got all of my bases covered. Uh, at this point, we are just going to wait for Tegan, our lovely guest of the week to join us. And I think she may be trying to join right now. Let's see. I don't see her yet. So hopefully soon. Oh, there she is. All right. Let's get Tegan on here. All right. Thank you, everybody, for your patience. Tegan will be joining us in just a moment. The wonderful pink hair repair. Hi. Hi, lovely. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Fantastic. Your hair is back to pink. It's not purple anymore. No, it's gone the whole <laughs> way back. That was pretty much just from washing it. I knew it would happen eventually. I was digging the purple, I'm not going to lie. I mean, I'm a little bit biased because it's kind of my color. <laughs> but... Yeah, that's fair. No, it was um, it was a, it was a happy mistake, that one, because it wasn't meant to be that purple. But then when it turned out, I'm like, oh, I actually really like this. So nice. it was a very nice mistake. <laughs> nice. Meanwhile, I try to get my hair super purple, and it doesn't go there. You try to do it oh, by no. accident, and it happens. I see how it is. That's cool. That's cool. Whatever. <laughs> uh, so welcome. Um, I'm, I'm going to let you introduce yourself to everybody because I'm sure there's lots of folks who don't know you. Um, who, who are you and what do you do? <laughs> um, honestly, I'm probably not very good at this, but I'll give it a go. These are um, the easy questions, Tegan. <laughs> who are you and what not, do you do? Come on now. <laughs> are you talking about myself? That's the problem because I don't know where to start, but, ah, gotcha. uh, so my name is Tegan also known as Pink Hair Repair. I am originally from Australia. For some people, maybe out of tell. I <laughs> also have some English influences, which also comes through, because I will get either, are you Australian, are you English? Pretty much changes between. Because um, you lived in London too, right? You were, or in England. I lived in England, yeah. I lived okay. in Salisbury when I was there, which is closer to Stonehenge. Okay. If anyone knows what that is, which is... More of a small town. London I was nice. I visited there when I was 12. I don't yeah. remember it. <laughs> I visited once when I was there. It was nice, but it's also, it's also just some stones. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> but yeah, I am um, so from Australia. I started doing auto body after I finished high school, which was, see, it's racking my brains for the years now, but I reckon, I reckon it was 20, must have been 2010. Oh, you're a baby. <laughs> no, oh, sorry, started 2011, but yes. 
I, I am 27 years old. I, <laughs> I feel like my body age is probably around 50 and my mental age maybe around like 40. I was going to say my body age is like 70 because of the trades, like just how we like, we're hard on ourselves. Like my body feels so old, but mentally I'm like a 16 year old. I'm like a 16 year old boy specifically. <laughs> it's Crude, definitely takes a <laughs> Oh, that's the most fun way to be though. Yeah. <laughs> So started in 20, yeah, so I think it was start of 2011. After high school, I, I was working just a retail job, kind of like a dollar store kind of place, and thought, oh, I'll have a break from study and from everything and just work this part-time job. And that got really boring. So then I thought, <laughs> well, what, what interests me? I like to work with my hands, but didn't really do it in high school because I felt like I wasn't supposed to. And then I grew up, oh, I can do things. So I went and my car, oh, my cousins love their cars. My okay. older cousins. And they did a lot of like little modifications and things like that. And I always found it interesting. We go on like car cruises and things. So I was like, oh, I have an interest in that. So maybe I'll see what's there. So I actually started by applying for uh, auto electrical, uh, the auto body. And what's the third one? A diesel mechanic. Okay. And the auto Wait, like body. For schooling or for jobs? Oh, like as an apprenticeship. Okay, cool. So like both really, but I also needed to be paid because I was like, I want to move out of home. I want to do this. I want to do that. So right. <laughs> it's the only way I would do more study is if there was a pay um, bracket towards it because I thought about going to university and stuff and it just really wasn't for me. I'm not very good at studying. So, and then the auto body one came up first and I thought, well, oh, I'll give it a go. And it turned out like to be exactly what I wanted. I just nice. kind of fell into it. Right. So, I also don't think I could, sorry, go on. No, 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 go ahead. Go ahead. I was just gonna say, I don't think I could have uh, done overly well in the diesel mechanic era because people have told me how like heavy and taxing that kind of work is. And I just don't think I would have had the strength for it. Yeah. I've seen some amazing like little sprites of, of women who do diesel work. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, you are so badass!" And at the same time, so I can't imagine how after like a couple of years of that, even how that must, I mean, I think even on men doing diesel work, like it's, it's, it's hard on your body. It's like doing what we do is hard on our bodies. Yes. Like that's a lot, but yeah, definitely. So was that in Australia that you did, that you did apprenticeship and, and that? So did yeah. they have national certification the way Canada does? Like recognized within other countries? Um, no, uh, but like, do you have to have like, do you have to be certified on like a national level? Is there like, like Canada is really structured in their, like, like what you, what you get to do technically, like on, on in the trades. And, yeah. and I was curious if Australia is the same way. Um, you do have to be, certified qualified uh but a lot of people try to get around that or like some employers will um, like hire people without needing to like see the papers or ask for them so some people will get away with saying oh yeah like i can do this i can do that but because no one asked to see the papers people just slide through but you they do try to make sure everyone is certified but it's a lot stricter here in canada i have found which yeah. i think is good you want everyone to be 
you want you want to know everyone knows what they're doing basically yeah there's a lot of like there's a lot of disagreement on that that was actually one of the things i wanted to ask you was whether you felt like it was a good thing or not because you've now worked in england you've worked in australia you've worked in canada um have you worked in any other countries i think you're the most worldly guest we have had on here <laughs> <laughs> as far as working nice. uh, just those three for now but uh the well in england i didn't I didn't need to transfer my qualification, but I also wasn't planning on staying permanently. So I may have needed to eventually, but here for it to be significant, I need the red seal. I need to do the, the transfer over, but I think it's a good thing wanting everyone to be like qualified, yeah. but I don't agree with the yearly fee. Um. <laughs> I was, my first workshop I was at when I first got to Canada, I was talking to the tradesman who was teaching me more things. And he was saying that it used to be a, like a, a fee, but it wasn't too bad every three years, okay. which I thought was okay. And then Reasonable. yeah, now it's really, and the price has gone up and it's just more of a, seems like a money grab, but I also still don't know the system enough to probably make yeah. a full judgment. That's interesting. I, is it like, how expensive is it on a yearly basis? Do you know? Not, I can't remember what he said the yearly, yearly fee was. Uh, I think it's still under a hundred dollars, but I feel like he said for three years, it used to be like 70 bucks and oh, now, wow. and now it's gone up to maybe like 90 per year. Oh, interesting. I, yeah. Like I could have like the figures wrong, but it's like a rough yeah. ballpark figure. Hillary is I, commenting that it's 120 bucks a year. Oh, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> wow. It's more than I thought. <laughs> okay, but we've gotten off we've gotten off track. So so you got your yeah. start doing auto body, but you do you do a ton of stuff. You do auto body, you do welding, you do what else do you do? Oh, uh that that was all um well, I've learned a few extra things along the way, but a lot of that was all under my apprenticeship in Australia. We did everything oh nice but also we don't have separate apprenticeships or separate um trades like here so you can have like just people that do just prepping whereas australia if you're a painter you're a prepper you're a polisher you're everything is there's less categories i guess and so for my auto body which in australia i'm known as a panel beater uh, but a I've panel been beater. <laughs> yeah i love the term but I've been taught recently that that's more of an old school term for like the proper metal refining mm -hmm. work. Yeah. Which is old school. But yeah, I learned, I learned welding through trade school as well as on the job. I did tear, uh, remove and refit, like tearing down of cars. And then the repair stages from like small to medium repairs, sometimes larger. I uh, didn't do as much panel replacement. I was very quick at the smaller stuff, so they just kept me <laughs> kept me going with that. Yeah. I was also at a few shops that were more like kind of like production line based. So wow. yeah, they found my spot to fit in, and I just kept doing the same thing. Um, so yeah, I, I can weld, but I wouldn't say it's perfect. Haven't had the practice yet. What do you uh, say? What do you think is your like strongest? skill set what is your i think giant? i think what taking the cars apart and putting them back together okay so, like the mechanical side almost like the 
Yes, to a degree. I've done some mechanical things also, but that's more front end, like very front. So like the the radiators or the air air condensers and taking them out and putting them back in. Um, the things that get destroyed in an accident. <laughs> yeah, the things that have no hope. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, and then I sort of like picked up on little mechanical things along the way, but it was, yeah, more basic stuff with that. Um, but yeah, it's more the removal and the refit where it came to like getting all the panels like aligned with the perfect gaps and it, it's always for me, always felt like a lot of puzzles. So finding out where these bolts were meant to go or like how to make this work, because it's a lot more that goes into aligning the panels than what a lot of people realize, I think. Especially the older cars. My goodness. Oh, yeah. That is a whole new world that I'm learning at the moment. And and I never knew what, what I never really understood what shims were, but now I do. (laughs) You you want the fender to go up here. You might need a shim at the front or down the bottom or like there's so much to it that I was just a whole new world. Yeah, because they never fit well to begin with, right? <laughs> like, like the newer cars, at least, like they had decent gaps in theory originally, and you're just making a couple of adjustments. But you know, at one point, it did fit. Whereas on yeah. the older cars, you're like, this may have never fit. I gotta <laughs> still make it fit. <laughs> yep, I gotta find a way. Do you do you prefer working on older cars or newer cars? Or I like. Not sure I like a mix of both is what I've found so far. So I think, I don't think I could have done older cars whilst I was in my apprenticeship and learning. I think that would have been too much to handle. But now that I'm doing it, I do a lot of the older stuff at Ink and Iron, but every now and then we'll have like the smaller jobs come through of the newer stuff from some of the customers. They bring in like their daily car. Mm-hmm. And I like having the change in between kind of breaks it up a lot more. Yeah. But I'm very much enjoying the older cars. There's a lot more, a lot more thinking behind it. I I feel, try and you want to get it perfect because this is someone's like dream car rather than their daily driver that they're not that fussed about. So that's definitely I I prefer that. It makes me happier to think about that. But doing the job is kind of a different story because the frustration gets to you. <laughs> yes, but then when you've accomplished it and you've won, the satisfaction of it is like. Oh, it's a feeling like nothing else. The best. Yeah. So somebody asked if it makes you grumpy. <laughs> Penny, Penny J, Penny Lane, excuse Penny, me. Yeah, because she knows it makes me grumpy. I have a grump face that everyone in the workshop knows. I love it. Oh my gosh. So you're, you're working at Ink and Iron now, which for anybody who doesn't know, you have to check out Ink and Iron. It is an all female body shop. Um, and they do tremendous, tremendous work, really phenomenally talented folks. How long have you been with Ink and Iron? So I was uh, talking with Hillary about making the move earlier in the year and it had planned to be, I think like mid April, but then over the whole COVID scenario yeah uh my own work that i was at prior ended up closing for a bit so then i made the change a bit earlier so from start of april i was able to go there okay uh, they will stay open through the whole the whole coronavirus thing which was good for me yeah (laughs) indeed yes (laughs) so yeah i think i think it's been four and a half months maybe five so not very long at all 
We're no, but it does feel like a lot longer. I know, right? You, you guys seem like like family over there. It's a, I cannot wait until all of this settles down and we're free to roam about the world so that I can come visit you guys, maybe hang out and work with you for a little while because it looks like so oh, much fun there. <laughs> that would be amazing. It is, it is a lot of fun. Were you we in Canada that. already? Yes. So I had, what are we now, 20? In May of 2019, mm -hmm. I came over. Okay. And I actually got a job pretty much straight away. And I worked at a company called Del Sol Auto. Okay. And we were, where were we? Kind of like the North York region. But okay. it was a small, um, small shop, uh, family shop. Uh, pretty much all of, the, all of the guys had worked together for, I think, close to 20 years. And it, there was just such a lovely, like, family kind of environment there, too. So That's they awesome. gave me such a beautiful start nice. and taught me a lot and helped me out so much. But then when I had the offer for Ink and Iron, it was more of, like, a career mm -hmm. choice rather than just, like, needing a job. So I couldn't really yeah. let up on that opportunity. But, yeah, so the, for the first, like, I'd say for, like, the first year-ish, I worked with them, which was, which was really good. Nice. Very cool. Would, had you worked with any other women in the industry in your previous jobs? Um, in Australia, there was one female painter that came on at the last shop I was at before making the move overseas. And she was nice. I can't remember. I think she was there after I left. So it might have been in the last couple months or something. Um, but she was still in their apprenticeship as well. I mm. hadn't met anyone completely qualified in any trade. I never met another auto body girl at the trade schools. There was one or two girls, like a mechanic and a painter, I think I seen, and they were all older than me too. And yeah, I just, I didn't really think it was a thing other girls did. And I didn't understand that I could use Instagram to my <laughs> advantage. At that point. I, was just, I was just on my own, like personal page, posting my selfies. And I'm like, that's, that's about right. it. And I come to Canada and realize that there's a whole world of auto body girls that I didn't even know about. It's super exciting. As like, yeah, what, no, was, what was that like for you realizing like, oh my gosh, there's other women like me out there. <laughs> I almost didn't believe it at first. And then event, uh, eventually I was invited to an auto body girls meetup that was um, organized by Hillary and another uh, painter, Caitlin. And I was like, okay, this is, this is actually real. Like I actually get to meet these people. <laughs> Because even on the internet, you still think they could be miles away. Like, you don't think they're going to be that close that you can meet them face to face. Right. And then that whole meeting and having, finding this, like, niche little close group and then, like, an even more extended group was just, I don't know, I still can't really believe that there's more people like me. <laughs> but it makes it feel more normal as well, I think. I, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Well, so, I mean, it's interesting because I, like, we came up in very different time periods, right? Like, you came up in in the two that late you know 2010 and newer recently um yeah. and i came up in the and there we go um oh that's for a sec uh, yeah i uh i i have a i have an aunt who is in a nursing home and she has calls me on auto dial every right. 10 minutes um throughout the day so that was her <laughs> but anyway um yeah but it's interesting because like I didn't have social media and you just didn't utilize it so 
even though we came up in really different time periods, we probably had a very similar experience of like not really realizing that there were others, there were more of us out there. <laughs> what, what was it like in your jobs that you were at? Were you like, was it your, were you the first woman working at, at most of your shops that you were at? And how did they receive you? How was that experience for you? I was the first woman at every single one I've worked at, obviously prior to Inca Nine, but every other one, oh, exception of uh, girls in the office, but they were never car inclined, Yeah, which is not nothing bad on them, but they didn't sure. have the interest in this. So they just enjoyed doing the office stuff, which is great because I can't do that either. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I was the first one. They found it. Okay, like I had actually a really good experience. Nice. You get that odd like coworker or two who are a bit of a dick, but also you get that in life too. Like I wasn't expecting much different. Sure. Uh, they made sure I could always use like the office bathroom, uh, like the customers one, so it was always like cleaner. <laughs> I don't know why anyone would ever think about going into a male's men's bathroom because it looks disgusting. <laughs> I don't understand that because I feel like men appreciate clean bathrooms too. I don't know why like management yeah. is like, it's okay to have nasty bathrooms for the men. Like what men don't deserve a clean space too. Come on. But anyway, I digress. <laughs> I agree. But yeah, not, not much else really changed. They, they pulled down their dirty posters or sometimes they left them up and I was like, honestly, I don't care. I'm not here to change your thing. I'm here to learn. Yeah. Uh, but a lot of them, it depended on the age demographic too. My very first shop had a few younger guys. So I got along with them on a friend basis. And then there was a few older guys who, I guess some of them could have been like my dad, that kind of age. So they had right. that kind of approach instead. So it wasn't too right. bad. It like kind of fit in the dynamics well. Uh, yeah, never, I never really had a problem. They, and never, neither did they, they liked the idea of the opportunity for a girl to start. That's awesome. Um, they never had concerns. A couple of times they might've mentioned if like this, my strength wasn't enough, but they also then just put me to the test. They didn't say, oh, you can't do it. It's like, well, we don't know. So you can try. Yeah. yeah. But That's everyone was awesome. super helpful if I needed help to like lift the door or move something like they, they would help me straight away so yeah I had a really good experience with that that's fantastic to hear i you know every once in a while I, I speak with a woman who's had like a supportive awesome encouraging experience and it like it renews my my faith and and makes my heart really happy because i you know i talk to so many women in the industry and so many of them have had negative experiences that when i hear like the really positive awesome experiences i'm like yay <laughs> It makes me so happy to hear. But. Yeah, I, I want to hear a lot more positive stories too. And I want to be pushing for that for a lot of girls. Like I would love to help the ones that haven't had those good experiences because I feel like that shouldn't be on anyone, really. Do you, do you think in this, and you may not know the answer to this, but I'm curious, like, do you feel like your positive experience had more to do with the folks that happen to be working at the places that you were at or with your attitude and how you came into the space or is it a combination of two? I or reckon it's a combination like of it for sure. 
I think I had a lot of luck behind me in the particular shops that I worked at. Um, because I, I've heard of like other bad shops that were around me that didn't necessarily have girls working there, but just in general, even the young boys doing their apprenticeships weren't always happy or had a hard time. Right. But I think partly maybe my personality too, even if I didn't have trust in myself before, it was always probably like a part of me. But when I got to, I kind of, I kind of know it wasn't part of me in the last shop I was at when I was finishing off my apprenticeship, going on to being qualified. Like sometimes if I was, if I'm hard at work, I have the resting bitch face. Like, like there's no, there's no like talking to me or trying to like put me off my work. And if I'm like trying to walk from the, the auto body side down to the paint, I'm like striding, I'm going for something. So they're just like, oh, I just you know, go like, we're not, we're not stopping. <laughs> Watch out. <laughs> So unintentionally, I think I helped myself in that regard. Yes. Um, I think also my dad always taught me and my sisters to be very strong and to hold ourselves well. So I do put a lot of it onto him. I just read, <laughs> just read Hill's comment. I read recently was repairing a truck box and had a very grumpy day. So, oh. <laughs> and we all have them. <laughs> we all have them. Yeah. I was so excited to get that job finished. I think you're right, though. It's important for people to hear these positive stories because I think often when we only hear the negative stories, then if we wind up at a negative shop or a bad shop, then we think that that's just the way it is instead of realizing like there are other amazing shops out there. There are wonderful yeah. people that are going to cheer you on and support you and that it's not it's not Definitely. all negative. I think the negative tends to get the the spotlight because it's since you know the headlines right everybody likes the negative and the, but it's nice to yeah. hear more it makes it more interesting for people to talk about if it's negative like i don't know why but people like that more right exactly i i feel like to as much as it's good to try and like have your own confidence and hold yourself well in like the shop scenario like more advice for other girls is that i I don't want to focus on the negative, but I had my bad days. Some days I went home in tears. I had to like talk it out with my boyfriend. I had to at work. I sometimes would have moments to the side and then came back and did my shit. Like it's not all like sun and roses and rainbows and everything, but yeah. you can, you can have the moments and also like hold yourself strong, even though you know what's going on behind you. Like it's, it's a moving forward thing constantly, whether it's happy, positive or negative, like you can always keep pushing forward. I like that. I think that's, thank you for making that point. I think that's powerful. I, I remember calling my mom when I was in tech school, like this was way long ago and she was still not quite come around to the idea of me being a mechanic. And right. uh, so I, I called her complaining about a bad day. It was just like one of those days, right? Where nothing was working out. I didn't feel welcome. I didn't feel accepted. I felt you know, all the, the animosity and all the whatever. And I cried in the bathroom. Right. And I, yeah. I called my mom and told her about it. And she's like, well, you know, it's not too late. You can always do something different as a career. And I'm like, it was one bad day. Like I had a bad day. I'm going to have a bad day in any career. I'm going to have bad days no matter what I'm doing. And it's, you know, how do you, how do you handle that when you have a bad day? It's like, how do you get yourself back up and, and keep going? Well, I think a good way is always to vent about, it. like you said, like you called your mum. Like, it doesn't matter who you talk to. It doesn't matter if they don't understand any of the work lingo or anything that you talk about. Like, it's just get it out, and yeah. that helps you to go forward. 
Yeah. Right. Like, cause when you don't get it out, you're holding on to it. And then you, it just, it just grows instead of like, okay, I'm yeah. done. I got it out. I'm done. I can move on now. No, exactly. Like you think you've forgotten about it, but it'll always come back to haunt you. If you can't just like let it go and move on. Yeah. No, 100%. So yeah, I'm curious cause you've now worked at a number of all male shops and now yes. you work at an all female shop. Do you, do you feel like there's a difference? I do, but I made friends with these girls before I started working there. So I am biased. <laughs> and also, they are fantastic, amazing ladies. So once again, even more biased. I think, it, I think it's better because we talk about things more. Mm. Or even just using the bathroom, which no one wants to hear about. But you make it fun and lighthearted, but as the guys, you're like, oh no, like they can't know I'm going <laughs> to the bathroom or this or that. Just because in your mind, you think you can't say it out loud, but we just, we talk about it like it's nothing. I, <laughs> I worry about some of the people that hear us from outside sometimes. Oh, I've worked with Hillary. I know. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. We but I think, Hillary, I think that, by the way. <laughs> I think that freedom probably is the biggest difference. I did really get along with a lot of the guys when I worked though. So that's, that's probably the only bigger benefit. Oh, and guys seem less likely to want to admit their mistakes, but that could also be just the group I'm working with now. But <laughs> it seems that way because they'd rather either hide it or make it someone else's problem. Right. No, I definitely, I definitely noticed that in working with men most of my career and then working with women the first time in like concentration was on the Chevy Montage and like seeing mm. like how quickly, and it's interesting too, it's a double-edged sword, right? Like in the, on the one hand, it's a positive thing and on one hand, it's a negative thing. How quickly the men that I had worked with in my experience would, would blame whatever was happening on something external and and the women would blame themselves, even if it was external, right? Like we had yeah. a bad part, it doesn't fit right, it doesn't whatever, but we would still blame ourselves. So it was a really interesting kind of notice. I think there's something we learned from both, both sides of the table, right? Like there's some yeah. good in not blaming yourself for everything. And there's also some good in like, maybe taking some ownership. <laughs> so. Yeah, finding that middle ground is probably the best way to deal with it, but yeah. definitely agree. Absolutely. So what are, what are you working on in the shop right now? What's going on at, uh, at Ink and Iron? Well, we've got a Mustang in that for people that are following Ink and Iron will have seen the, the paint job that's recently been done on that. So we're going to finish getting that perfectly lined up to get some cool stripes over it. That is happening very soon. Nice. We just finished a yellow 72 Camaro with a what was it carbon fiber front end? Nice. And I, that was, um, I feel like that was a good learning puzzle kind of car for me trying to align that. Cause it's my first time working with carbon fiber. It's interesting. I like it, but what's what well, I've never worked with like major pieces of carbon fiber. I've worked with little stuff, but what's, what's the difference? Just very similar to fiberglass, but if okay. we need to build on it or repair on it, it's specific uh, carbon fiber materials. Gotcha. Why are they, sorry, they're telling me to say Camaro. Yes. 
lot of <laughs> we've got we've got comments from the peanut gallery here. <laughs> Everything I say apparently a lot of it sounds different, so it gets brought up. Oh <laughs> I get I'm from New Jersey. So I can't I hear the same thing. People are like, say water, say water. <laughs> See, I get that too, because I say water. Yeah. Which is like, similar to how New Jersey folks say it. Water. <laughs> very quick. Yeah. Very straight to the point. <laughs> um, yeah, they, the carbon fiber, I, I have, I didn't do any like little repairs or building on it. Uh, Hillary did that stuff. So I'm still yet to learn more of the, uh, the finer stuff with it, but just like aligning it. It was okay. I just, was wor really worried about breaking it, even though I've been told how strong it was. Like, it's just a very weird thing when it's your first time working with something. And yeah. I haven't done like a lot of fiberglass in the past. So these sort of parts that seem like they're going to break because they're so light, but I suppose they're really heavy duty. Like it's just a very interesting difference. Yeah. I feel you. I'm always scared with carbon fiber. We did some stuff on Old Girls Garage recently with carbon fiber stuff. And I was like, Ooh, it's like a baby treat it very carefully like, and it is really strong but it's scary yeah exactly <laughs> and it's expensive so it's like i don't want to mess this up because this stuff is not cheap so yep exactly <laughs> it's the same way i feel when i'm holding like the most expensive headlight or tail light or something i'm just like it's like it's like a baby it's like careful it's funny though do you find like the things like i think it's interesting looking back at like the things that used to terrify me, the things that were scary that now I'm like super flippant about, right? It's just kind of like the experience and the comfort level. I'm like that a lot with lining up painted parts. I'm a bit more apprehensive now doing in the classic stuff because I'm like, this car is someone's like baby and it's worth a lot. So I have to be more careful, but with the normal collision stuff, when parts are painted, I'm like, yeah, throw this fender on. Like, I know where it sits. Like I, you right. get a bit more complacent, I guess, in that respect. Yeah. But yeah, I've been kind of like put back into like, I feel like an almost like an apprentice kind yeah. of mode, being like extra careful with everything. Yeah. Well, you're learning a whole, a whole new skill set. Like I remember the first time I had to drill into something that had just been painted, like drill a hole in something that was painted. And I like, I had to psych myself up for it. I'm like, I drill into stuff that's painted all the time. Why does this make a difference? Just because it was painted two weeks ago instead of two years ago? Like, drill, drill the hole. Yeah. <laughs> it, it will be fine. <laughs> I think it's also good to have those sort of feelings towards jobs because then you learn to be more careful and more particular. And it almost, you, you then come up with better ways to do things that are more careful and less likely to scratch paint and whatnot. So yeah, it does. No a little bit of healthy fear is a good thing. If we didn't have fear, we'd all do a lot of stupid stuff. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what's been, um, what's been your favorite project you've, you've been involved in? Do you have one? I don't think I have one yet. Okay. I have helped on some projects that were started before I was there. Which was, which was nice and a good learning experience, but seeing a car from start to finish mm. is actually what I'm in the middle of working on at the moment. Okay. So we had a, the very first job I did when I moved to Inconayan was a Cadillac, a convert. I don't know if all Cadillacs are convertible. See, my, I have a very big lack of knowledge when it comes to old cars over I'm here. I'm the same. I am 100% the same way. I know my new cars. 
I do not know my old cars. <laughs> so I'm with you. You're good. <laughs> it's a, there we go. Dan's got my back. It's, it's a 66. Okay. <laughs> uh, so the first thing I did when I was there was to tear it all down and take everything out of it. And then we had a long wait because it had to go off to get sandblasted and everything. And then some metal, the metal work was done on it. And now it's next to my toolbox ready for the next stage of getting fit up or oh, not fit up, but like uh, the, every panel's aligned so they can get body work done. Nice. So that one may be my favorite one when it gets through to the end stages. Because you'll see it from the start to the finish. Yeah, yeah. that'll probably be my first one I see properly start to finish. Because some of the other jobs we've had coming in, they've been more like smaller, quicker fixes on some things. So it's not like the same, like complete tear down to complete put back together kind of feel. Right. Yeah. So that will probably be my exciting uh, first finish. But the yellow Kamari that we did was, 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 was quite exciting because I did a lot of like put the fenders on and the hood on, take them all off again, do it again. Like, it, like I, I did a lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> with that so it was nice to see that finish and almost it's a I, I'm an over emotional person which some people may not realize <laughs> so when it was driving off down the road I actually got like a little bit like choked I was like no don't be silly like it's fine it'll come back to visit <laughs> that's awesome that means you care and like you take it like you take ownership of it I think that's that's a fantastic thing that was my <laughs> problem in the uh collision side of the of the automotive industry because I cared too much and where they're like it's fine it's fine it's gonna go I'm like no like I have to fix this and I have to fix that and I want to make it perfect but I, I get that they're not always paid enough for that either but that's where I think I'm very happy doing the restoration side of things because that's what people are paying for yeah so you get to make it perfect and you get to be yeah. proud of your work I think a certain amount of detail orientedness is like necessary for anybody doing this kind of work. But like for those that are like super critical and want every little thing to be, you know, freaking perfect, like collision is probably not the best place for you to land in the long term because it, it is, it's production. Yeah. It's, it's pumping them in, pumping them out. And I mean, shoot cars built new these days are, they, they come with orange peel, like they are not perfect. And so, to yeah. try to finish it to the level that we often do on restorations, it's like you you just don't do that. <laughs> right? Yeah. Unless someone worked in maybe like a dealership where they want the the best looking new cars to come out as much as possible. But yeah. outside of that, I don't think unless it's an older car, you're not really gonna get the same vibe. Yeah. No, absolutely. Okay, so I know you don't have a ton of like old car knowledge and that's fine. I am, I am in the same boat, but like now that you've been around it a little bit, like, or you, you know, grew up around car culture a little, do you have a, like if money were no issue, do you have a dream car? Well, kind of, I just recently was looking at, okay. So in Australia, kind of under like the, the GM umbrella is the make called Holden's which I don't think made it out of Australia but their old classics my favorite were called a Kingswood okay. which you could get it in a sedan or a wagon or what we call a ute which is I don't really know how to describe it um do you, you know like a like an El Camino how it has just the cab and then the tray mm. at the back 
Yeah. That's what, that's what we call a ute. Okay. All right. Is that that's short for something? Is that like utility or just? I, a utility vehicle. Okay. Okay. I'm being told yes. <laughs> I love it. By, by my partner who doesn't actually care about cars. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, utility. It, it was like the tradesman's you tradesman's car kind of thing yeah. but there's some pretty cool old school kingswoods that either a you or a wagon i'd be happy with i like nice. the longer cars and like you can do more with them yeah uh i used to like the hate it was the hk model i think but i was looking at more of them the other day and i was looking at all the different models I'm like oh i like this one and now i like this one <laughs> so i couldn't i wouldn't have a very particular one but any from that sort of era, I would happily ship over from Australia. Nice. But we drive on the wrong side of the road in Australia. So that may That's be all right. Different. I just picked up a right-hand drive vehicle uh, yeah. at, the, at the shop. And, uh, and I haven't driven it yet. So I have no idea what the experience is like driving on the wrong side with the right side. I don't know. It's going to be weird. But... <laughs> shifting with my left hand I think is going to be a weird thing to get used to but um I actually did that coming to Canada so driving in Australia was like the op complete opposite side to here right and then same when I was in England it was the same as Australia so it was all normal I don't drive like manual like standard very often but then the first car we had an opportunity to drive here was a standard and it was the opposite side so that was quite daunting yeah, but weirdly, like I fell into shifting and everything really easily. Yeah, it was more getting my um my perspective around the vehicle, like getting that used to that because of being on the wrong side. Right. Actually, everything just kind of like worked the same because the pedals are the same. If the pedals were wrong, I think that's, that's true. A hard time. Yes, but. I think you're probably right about that. But I feel like. I feel like it's one thing to like go to England or Australia and, and make the switch of like, now you're sitting on the wrong side of the wrong side, the different side of the car and you're yeah. on the different side of the road. So you're doing both things simultaneously. Whereas like driving a right-hand drive vehicle in a country that drives on the, that, ha that normally is left-hand drive. Like, I feel like that might be a little challenging, but. Oh yeah. I don't actually think I want to do that. <laughs> So I don't know what I'm going to do if I do ship a car over because I don't know how easy or hard it'll be to shift everything right. across in the car. I feel like but that would be a lot of work. I feel like that would be a lot of work. But hey, that's the cool thing about doing what we do is we can make it whatever we want. Exactly. Just about how much money do you want to spend? <laughs> I think more looking uh, near future rather than far, I'll get to be involved in, eventually, hopefully, we can find a shop truck or ute or something for Inconian, which will not be from Australia, but it'll be something pretty cool. So All that right. will be. All right. We, so the, the truck that, the truck that, that we just got, um, we got a mini truck. And I mean, like, mini, mini, mini little itty bitty thing it's like a um i think it's a suki carry imported from oh. japan so it's like tiny but it's got like a little utility bed and the sides fold down and like oh that's cool it, right so like you can haul some serious stuff but it has less horsepower than my motorcycle does 
Oh. <laughs> right? <laughs> they don't want to take too much heavy things then. Right. No, no. I think it's like a 600cc engine. Like, it's, it's like nothing. Yeah. But it's so cute, and I'm so excited about it. But anyway. <laughs> I That's guess. amazing. <laughs> What, um, what, what do you think? Cause you've had, you know, just to, to compare to some women in the industry, like, I feel like you've had a little bit of a charmed, a charmed life. Like, what do you feel like has been your biggest challenge? Well, I actually stopped my apprenticeship halfway through cause I, I wouldn't say gave up, but I felt I had a lot of other things pressuring me in like my social life and personal life and everything around it. So after about a year and a half, I think I stopped and then just went to retail work for a while oh, wow. whilst dealing with everything else. And then eventually I was in, I was working in a gas station and I just thought to myself, I'm like, this is so shit. Like, this is so boring. Why, why am I here? I know I like working with my hands. Like I enjoyed it so much. I just couldn't keep going at that time. And I was like, you know what? Fuck it. Like, if I don't do it, I'm going to regret it for the rest of my life. And then going through the rest of my apprenticeship, there was a lot of times I was like, I can't do it. I have to stop. So I think the whole apprenticeship itself was probably the biggest challenge actually yeah. finishing. Uh, yeah, it was, it, there was nothing like particular about it. It was just actually getting through the hard the hard days the hard work like the hot days in in summer in australia were awful i think i was lucky for one of my shops i was at for nine months had air conditioner <laughs> i know it was a small shop luckily so we shut the doors and the air conditioner nice. was on and it was fantastic nice. but every other shop if you're lucky you got one of the fans but usually the boys took them so <laughs> you just hope a breeze comes through or something but then the hot breezes on the hot, like the heat waves, you can't actually get a break. How hot does it get in Australia in the summer? Uh, through a heat wave, you might have a couple of days where consistently low 40s, but it never cool, it doesn't cool down overnight really either. And then you'll get the rolling blackouts as well because of everyone trying to use their air conditioners. So, ah, so that's always fun. <laughs> We never had the humidity though. So I was from South Australia, which is like lower down, which yeah, we didn't really have the same humidity. Like if I was in Queensland, I mm -hmm. probably would have had similar experiences to what Toronto summer is like. Okay. I, I feel like Australia's was worse if I compare working in the sheds and whatnot, but the humidity here is like quite close to the same level. I didn't realize what humidity does until I got here. Humidity is awful. Crazy. <laughs> Humidity is awful. <laughs> Interesting. All right. But yeah, I keep like skirting away from your questions. I don't mean to. No, but yeah, no, pretty no. Much my apprenticeship itself was the biggest challenge. That's what we do. We do rabbit holes, like tangents and rabbit holes. Like that's what we do. It's it is all good. Um, Sh Shonda just commented. She translated for me because she knows that I didn't know what 40 was. So 104 Fahrenheit. So oh. in Phoenix, it's like 114 today and humid. So oh. yeah, it's gross. I mean, we don't normally have humidity in Phoenix, but during the monsoon season, it's like the, it's the month oh, right. where we all question why we live here. Like, 
we're all like, what were we thinking? <laughs> but then the rest of the year, it's awesome. So, you know. <laughs> it makes it a bit easier when it's only one month out of the year. I, I could understand. Yes. Indeed. But yeah, like, even just having like hotter than what I've experienced just on a regular basis without humidity sounds insane. So. Yeah, it's gross. It's gross. It's like sitting in your oven normally. It's just disgusting. But <laughs> so oh, I'm, yeah. I'm curious your opinion. What um what do you feel like the biggest challenge facing the industry is, like as a whole, right now? Do you have a thought on that? Well I guess it's just seen it has seemed like a dying industry for a while and from moving to england to moving to here i got a job instantly and it's not because i have the best re resume in the world it's because they need people they need body techs they need painters like everywhere i go it's just everyone's looking for someone all the older generation are slowly moving out of the trade and there's no incentive really for younger people to move into it Although I have found here the wage system is a, is a lot better because okay. you, you will at least get minimum wage from what I've found. I could be wrong. So no one take this for a fact, but <laughs> you get like, it's basically minimum wage and then you you're assessed on how much you've learned or how much skill you have in Australia. There's apprenticeship wages, ah. which my first year I was paid $7.10 an hour in Australian, which I don't know the conversion rate to the US. But it's probably not what, a whole heck of a lot. We're very close to the Canadian dollar. Okay. So whatever that would be, because it would be less in US, is that yeah, right? Yeah, less in the US. So yeah, not a lot of money. No. Uh, but then it was, was a lot worse before my years as well. And no one wants to go and get paid that when they can go work at McDonald's and get paid 15 or $14 an hour instead. So there's no incentive for kids to go into it. Yeah. And it's just no one doing it. I think that's a very hard thing for the industry. I think that's probably worse in Australia. And then I think the UK might actually be the same sort of situation. Like they get paid like the like an apprenticeship wage, which is lower still. So I feel like it's it's pretty it's interesting to me that even though there's differences in how Canada and Australia and the UK and the US, like how we how we deal with the trades is very different. And yet the similarity across the board is that there's that we're we're we haven't caught up as far as wages go to to be yeah. competitive and you're right like we are losing all of the older generation and the younger generation not only doesn't have incentive but they they have disincentives right like they have things keeping yeah. them from doing it and so it's interesting to me that that like crosses all of the countries like it is consistent it's good news for people who are wanting to go into the trades because you can get a job wherever like you said right yeah. like you can go very anywhere but it's it i think you're right it is 100 percent. you nailed it like that's i think the number one problem facing the industry is is we don't have people yeah <laughs> without the people we can't do anything yeah absolutely uh interesting so so given all of that we've got about 10 minutes left in our and in, before instagram kicks us 
off the <laughs> Um but um, what what are your words of advice to to the next generation? Uh, somebody who, like you, maybe didn't grow up around cars or working with their hands, but kind of like knew they had an interest, knew they liked working with their hands. Like, what are your words of advice to them? I think to begin with, just try whatever you can. It may it may seem weird. Like I, now that I've been in a few different countries and a couple different shops between them. I feel like you don't know until you try and until you try multiple things. And I think some people are also worried that it looks bad if they move between and move to multiple shops. And I hope that's not what employers see as a bad thing because that is also learn learning and growth. And you're not going to know what you want or what you can do until you do that. Like I was very lucky that my early shops, what they had me doing was what I actually enjoyed. But I've heard a lot of stories from a lot of people that like they never did what they wanted. Like sometimes they had a, some, some people at trade school said like even into their second end of their second year, they were still sweeping the floors. And I, I understand that that's an important part, but if you're only sweeping floors, right. then you need to move on. Like someone's going to teach you something basic. Like you yes. can't do that for your whole life. Yeah. So I think being, being able to like push yourself and move, to where something's an opportunity or like try something different is a very important stepping stone, like a very important starting point. Yeah. Cheers to that. I think, I think there is, yeah. there is 100% like people, like we're told don't change jobs too frequently or don't move too fast. And like, I, I think you're 100% right. Like a try a lot of different things, but try a lot of different places and don't get stuck in that because it's, it's not, it's not a bad thing. And I think when you interview, it kind of comes down to selling it to your inter, the person you're interviewing with. Like, why did you change jobs often? Yeah. Well, I was learning something in each of these places and, um, and kind of framing that a little bit better. But I think that is 100% fantastic advice. Try it all and emphasize. Also, it's a good thing. On top of that, too, if you do feel the need to move and try different things and find what's right for you, try not to burn your bridges. You, especially considering if they've hired you in the first place, they've given you a chance. They've done something in the right direction, unless they've treated you really poorly. And I don't condone that. Totally. But if they have given you an opportunity, thank them, appreciate that and tell them I need to try something else and then move on. Like you're not going to help yourself if everyone hates you for the way you left. Like that's never going to, it's never going to benefit totally. you as a person, is it? Oh God, that is so, that is so important. And our industry is so small. Like it is so small. Everybody knows everybody. <laughs> yes. The automotive industry is a tiny, tiny world. And, um, and I think that's true in any industry, like don't burn bridges if you don't have to, like, it's just a smart thing. Then that doesn't mean like that you should put up with bad behavior, but it means you can, you can leave without burning bridges. Like it's, yeah it's possible because you never know when that's going to come back around again and, and you're going to go and interview for that dude's best friend or like brother yeah. or whatever. Right? Like, and they know each, like everybody knows each other. We all know each You'll other. You'll find like so many employees on different shops. will know each other through the car scene in general. Like some people yeah. like to go do their cruises or their burnouts or like whatever, like, Somebody knows somebody who knows that person who knows your boss. Like it's, it's a complete circle always. Yeah. Yeah. Abs absolutely. Absolutely. 
Oh my goodness. All right, we've got five more minutes. Five more minutes before Instagram kicks us off. So first of all, um, is there anything else that you would like to share with the world um, while, while we're here? Anything we should know about uh, the amazing pink hair repair, otherwise known as Tegan? Elise, am I pronouncing that right? You are, but that is my middle name. Oh. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> when I was in high school, it was a thing that you changed it and you had your middle name, not your last name. Okay. So <laughs> I never changed it. My last name is boring and it's Graham. <laughs> That's not my name. Oh, I almost missed it. I would have been so much trouble. So I am making a shout out to our beautiful, most amazing shop dog, Kitty. For anyone who hasn't seen through the Ink and Iron page, she is the sweetest soul. And also, everybody, go to the Ink and Iron page and let us know if we should make an Instagram account for Kitty herself. Because yes. we thought about that. Yes. Just the fact that you have a dog named Kitty makes me so happy. And absolutely. <laughs> yes. Um, tell, tell everybody where they can find you and follow you and support you and all the rest of that good stuff. Right. So... If anyone hasn't seen from the things that were shared on the stories earlier, you can find me at Pink Hair Repair on Instagram. And also I am helping amongst the Ink and Iron page. So uh, ink, ink and Iron Auto, not and, just the letter N is to find that. Oh, and Dan's like... <gasps> I think they may have made an Instagram now that I've just seen at, that was posted. At Kitty Dog. <laughs> yes. So you can um, follow Kitty also... Dog at, at Kitty Dog, apparently. And if it hasn't been made yet, you must make it now, Dan. You are now held accountable. It has to happen. So <laughs> yeah. it's been announced publicly. It's now official. <laughs> it's a thing now. So make sure you guys all follow this amazing woman, cheer her on, support her, check out the awesome work that she's doing, and definitely follow Ink and Iron, the incredible all-female body shop in Canada. And we are getting the notification that they are booting us in two minutes. So thank you, thank you so very much. It is so good to virtually meet you. One of these days we will meet in person. And until Hopefully then, very soon. Yes. Cheers, my dear. Cheers. Thank you for having me. I really Absolutely. appreciate it. Absolutely. Be good. Bye, guys. Bye.